When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, a lot of times in dating, we don't want to see the truth. You know, yeah. we want to be swept away. We think this person's so cute. I don't care who they are, mm-hmm. you know? And often when people are heartbroken, I'll say to them, when did you know? And they'll go, I knew right away, but they were so cute. I didn't want to see it. I said, I've done that. I have definitely done that. So I think it's a, a method, whether we're online or in person, to just really check in and go, Am I allowing myself to see the truth about this person or am I just wanting them because they look good on paper, because they're the cultural ideal? So I subtitled my book, Bringing Love and Awareness to the Dating Process, because we want to bring our awareness, not just this thing we've been taught we're supposed to want. We're supposed to want people to look a certain way. But, you know, if you live in Botswana, you're not looking for that same type of person. It's very culturally induced who we're supposed to want. So we bring our love, we bring our awareness. If we bring love to the dating process, then we're more likely to attract love. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we help you calm your mind relax your nervous system and experience deep states of bliss. In today's episode, we talk about some really amazing topics, including tantric dating, common misconceptions about relationships as shared by mainstream media, the importance of loving yourself and what you can and need to do to attract your ideal relationship. And if you're already in your relationship, how to be in a lifelong honeymoon by tuning into the right frequency. So I'm personally really excited about some of these topics and based on conversations I've had with our listeners, I know that people are really going to enjoy this session. So if you like this episode and if you like some of the topics that we cover, then make sure that you hit the subscribe button because that ensures that you will not miss out on any future episodes. So hit the subscribe button. Plus, before we start, I want to give some love to one of our listeners who took the time to write an iTunes review. And This is written by Lisa Worthy, who says, AJ, I would simply want to thank you. I would simply want to say thank you. I found you a couple of days ago. I haven't been able to stop listening to you since. I appreciate all that you do for the universe and all the love that you carry within you. The few podcasts I've listened to have intrigued me in a way where I'm not only telling people, sharing the podcast, but also applying what I've learned already to my life. My my soul will forever thank you. May God be with you. May the universe continue to guide you. And most importantly, keep shining 
your light. So if you like our show, make sure you write us an iTunes review because that's how we get the word out. That's how we show other people that this show is valuable and it's worth your time, right? So write us an iTunes review and I will make sure to read it out. And with that being said, let's bring on our special guest for today, Catherine Oman. So Catherine Oman is the author of Tantric Dating, Bringing Love and Awareness to the Dating Process. And she is a spiritual psychotherapist with advanced training in traditional psychology as well as the wisdom traditions. Catherine lived in for a year at the Osho Ashram in India, a full-time immersion in Tantra and meditation. And she has studied and practiced Tantra, love, sex, intimacy, and seduction with numerous teachers. And she's also the author of Tantric Dating, Bringing Love and Awareness to the Dating Process. So, Catherine, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Me too, me too. I'm really excited, uh, firstly, to have you on our show, but also to explore some of the different themes within uh, what you share and the nuances that sometimes uh, tend to get missed, right, when we talk about Tantra overall. But before diving in, I'd like to, uh, you know, learn about your story. How did it all begin? Where did you grow up as a kid? And what was life like back then? Ah, well, I grew up in, uh, I was a neighbor of yours. I was in Seattle. And um, as soon as I was old enough, I moved to the sun because <laughs> I couldn't take that rain. It was very depressing for me. And I was always kind of on a spiritual quest. So I would look into everything, um, Eastern religions, Native American shamanism, uh, I had been raised Christian and that was interesting to me, but it didn't seem for me to have all the answers. And I just uh, became a psychologist and I just was interested in exploring personal and spiritual growth. And um, part of that led me to Tantra, which was, uh, you know, when everyone hears that word, they immediately think of sex and Tantra is very sex positive but it is so much more than just sex. So people always assume it's just all kinds of advanced sexual techniques and there's a kind of a, a naughty element to it and so on. And <laughs> some of Tantra is like that, but it that's not really what the um, great tradition that comes out of India and Tibet is all about. And Osho explained that to us, that it is a, a philosophy he said, basically, there are two philosophies or two types of spirituality. There's the yogic and the tantric. These are not the, this isn't yoga, meaning the same thing we mean when we do yoga poses. It's a type of spiritual path where you have to do something to get to God. So you have to do poses, or you have to become vegetarian, or you have to never sin, or you have to mostly not have a lot of fun, at least when I grew up in. And then the tantric path would be all the types of religions where you don't have to do anything because everything is already perfect. You are perfect. The world is perfect. Uh, this moment is perfect. Your beloved is perfect. It's very hard for us to see this because our mind is always telling us it's not perfect. So, uh, I don't want to date this person because they have a big nose or I don't like their shoes or, you know, all this kind of thing. So in, in a, when we're on a tantric path, we're always attempting to relax and feel into how this 
could be perfect. It could all be divine right now. So with this type of attitude, I um, had studied and attempted to live and attempted to, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about because it sounds like there's something you need to do, which you're trying to not do. <laughs> and I tried to not do enough to really, I think everyone, I think all of your listeners have probably had a moment at some time when they had that experience that everything's perfect. Often it's when you've tight hike to the top of a mountain and you're full of endorphins and you look out and you go, yes. And you just feel that sense of bliss and everything's perfect. People feel that on maybe on psychedelic drugs or they feel it meditating or they feel it uh, making love. There's many, most people have had an experience like that, maybe momentary at some time. So in Tantra, we try to uh, experience that more often and kind of take the blinders off our eyes that make us think that uh, the world isn't perfect as it is and that we're not perfect as we are. Very, very interesting. And I'm sure our listeners are already beginning to like this episode because they, <laughs> they feel that perfection is within and society has made us feel like we're not enough and they put us in this constant state of not feeling enough and this fear, which I think a large majority of the products and services are based around, you don't feel enough. And so you need something to feel good enough. And so along that same thought process you've written in your book, we've been told many untruths such as, it's all about improving your appearance or being more youthful and slim or owning more stuff, but that's not how you find or create love. Love is a question of frequency. And the higher yours is, the higher the frequency of the relationship you will be able to attract and create. So talk to us about this frequency that helps us find a loving relationship. Well, this is exactly, I set out, I had um, realized it as, uh, it's been about six or seven years ago now, I realized I had to take stock of my life and realize I am a dating disaster. I just had been trying to find my perfect love for all my life. And I had been married twice and I had had lots of relationships and I lived in this ashram and I just realized I, I'm not getting this thing. And I started on a quest of just really trying to master dating. And I went on like five online dating sites. I went to meetups. I went anywhere I thought I might meet somebody. I went to art gallery openings. I went to just anything I could think of and just and went back to therapy and just tried to figure out what, what I was missing and what was wrong with me and what was it about my frequency and so forth. And the first thing I found was like you were alluding to is that the conventional dating world, a lot of people aren't finding love in it because something's wrong with the dating system. Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks something's wrong with them or something's wrong with the people they're meeting. So people will say, I'm just not meeting the right person. Yeah. Or, or everyone's secretly worried that they're not worthy of love or because as you said, the advertising industry is makes its money on making you feel bad about yourself and telling you don't look like this. You don't own this car. You aren't slim enough. You aren't, uh, wrinkle-free, you aren't uh, hip enough, you don't know about this and that. And so we approach 
in the conventional world, we approach dating the same way. We look at a checklist of characteristics of a person and swipe left or right immediately without even getting any sense of what the person is like. Mm. And we're really looking for the wrong things and we're really emphasizing what's wrong with people instead of what's right with people. So an example I like to give about this is that um, I used to always check the box on my dating profiles of I don't want to date anyone who smokes. That just seemed obvious to me. I don't want to date anyone who smokes. It's not someone who takes care of their body or anything. And of course, when I met my now husband, when I met my perfect love, because through my book, Date Tantric Dating, I did meet my perfect love. So it works. <laughs> <laughs> He smoked occasionally, so he wouldn't have checked that box. Mm. He's since stopped smoking even occasionally. But you see, at that moment, because of my preconditions, I wouldn't have met the love of my life. Mm. So um, and, and that, that's just an uh, example. Uh, one of my students, for example, uh, checked the box that she would never want to uh, date a Muslim. And mm. I said, that's quite curious. Would you have that same prejudice against Muslims for friends? She goes, oh, God, no. I have plenty of Muslim friends. I just didn't think I'd want to marry a Muslim man. Well, guess who she's married? Muslim. <laughs> of course. <laughs> After she learned that we, when we make these criteria against you know, all these checklists, some dating coaches advise that you make this checklist. But as you said, I learned it's more about frequency. So... I had had an experience when I lived in the ashram for a year, which was very different from the conventional world. And there, uh, first of all, everyone was on a spiritual path to live in an ashram. And it was an Osho ashram. So it wasn't just sitting around eating brown rice. People were dancing and singing. We had uh, live music at night to dance to and uh, very colorful people. And it was a, a meeting place as well as the meditation center. Was this the one and in Pune? The one in Pune. Pune, right? Have yeah. you been there? Yeah. I lived there. Have you been there? You lived there? I lived in Pune. I, I studied in Pune. And so I knew about the Osho Ashram because of, you know, so, so much of, uh, you know, discussion and gossip or in terms of, of what is happening on the other <laughs> side of the wall, right? <laughs> yes. And so you never checked it out yourself? I, I didn't really check it out myself because I was doing my undergrad there and... Um, I don't know, and never <laughs> had the thought of venturing in or inquiring what was happening inside. Uh -huh. But, you know, you know, some people said there was meditation. Some people said there was, you know, dance and, right, things going on. Some people said there was other stuff going on. People uh, think but, there's orgies going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Rumors. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And this is what happens when you become sex positive in the world. Correct. People assume that you are... Yeah. Uh, you were crazy with it instead of just saying, we believe that sex is healthy. That's a very shocking thing to say. Exactly. <laughs> Even yeah. in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that was that was the outside looking in, right? That was like the the perspective of society who I had sources from. Because in those days, I don't think YouTube or, you know, uh, it was that popular. It was sort of just sort of beginning to emerge. Mm -hmm. But uh, But yeah, please go ahead. So you were there. How did you end up going to... Osho Ashram in the first place? Well, I had been uh, attracted to Osho for many years and uh, loved his teachings and uh, was involved. I visited the ranch in uh, Oregon mm. 
And then I had a midlife crisis and I lost my job and I lost my relationship all at once. And I thought, well, before the next part of my life starts, I'm just going to go travel the places I most want to see. <laughs> and so I went to uh, Bali, uh, Pune, and Kathmandu okay. and had a wonderful trip and ended up living in the ashram for a year, even though I only planned to spend a few days, which is a story you often hear there. Yeah. So, because it's just a, a paradise for personal and spiritual growth seekers, because you meet, even my father said to me, you're finally amongst all people like yourself. I'm like, that's <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Just like this podcast makes it possible for all seekers to be together, right? Yeah. Well, one thing I can tell you for sure, even though I did not go inside the ashram, uh, that entire place had a different kind of calm to it, Koringa Park. And uh, my fondest memory, memories was uh, sitting down at the German bakery. The German bakery? You know, yeah. <laughs> You're just sitting down there and ordering some nice tea or coffee and some snacks to go along with this. And just, uh, you know, maybe you're with friends and maybe you're not, but just noticing the dialogue and the commotion and the interactions that people are having, right? And I think that's one of the exercises you recommend in your book, right? Is to just sit down sometimes and notice what's happening. Don't get caught with your own dialogue, but just notice and, and try to decipher what's happening with the body language and who who are the people who are very giving and kind. And, and I noticed that, um, unfortunately, there was a bombing that happened, right? But yes. it was such a beautiful place. It was a quaint place. A it was place. a nice place and a lot of greenery. And uh, it was the highlight of, of my stay in Pune for three years. Yes, I often say that all roads in the universe lead to the German bakery because everyone <laughs> yeah. goes there. Yeah. See, you see, we just meet like this and we've both been there. So Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the exercises in my book. And mm. um, I'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, while I was living in the ashram, which in this very sex positive environment, it was very different than in the West because there are many attractive people there and men and women would meet in a very different way than we meet here. Because the, I, what Osho taught us is that friendship is higher than love. Mm. So we would meet first as friends and then secondly decide if a sexual friendship was of, seemed like it made sense. But there was this meeting first in friendship. And you know, in the West, we think the friend zone is the worst place to be. Mm. You know, everyone has a horror of ending up in the friend zone. And what we experienced there was the friend zone is the right place. And then later when I was studying for my master's degree, I found out that uh, statistics say, this was compiled by Dr. John Gottman, okay. who's a specialist in relationships. Statistics actually say that the most successful relationships, 69% of men and women say the friendship is the most important thing. And when I heard that, I was shocked because, you know, the, the prejudice out there is that, oh, for men, it must be sex is the number one thing. And it wasn't. It was men and women both yeah. in successful long-term relationships that the friendship is the most valuable thing. That was stunning to me when I heard it. So I thought, what are we doing? What are, why aren't we looking for a relationship based in friendship if that's what makes relationships work? Mm -hmm. And we had, I had actually practiced that at the ashram where we would become friends first, be comfortable with the person, and then see if there's a sexual attraction. 
if it made sense from a place of friendship. This did not work when I was on the dating apps and so forth because there's no chance to set up a friendship. So So I I struggled with this for quite some time. And then I uh, developed what I called tantric dating, which is if everything's right in this moment, if everything's right with you, and I come into the date with, with what the Western conventional world has taught me, which is, you know, do you have the right shoes? Do you make enough money? Do you smoke? Do you uh, have potential? Am I sexually attracted to you? Uh, what about that hairdo? It's not quite up to date or whatever. And try to put that aside and just try to enjoy this moment with you. If we're on a, a coffee date, a first date, chances are I probably will never see you again. Most first dates don't work out in my experience. Mm -hmm. So this is a chance for me to just spiritually sit and try to have everything be okay Mm. with you. Like if you and I were on a coffee date right now, we're both sitting here looking at each other and it's like, let me find out what's right with you. Mm. Let me sit with you in a moment of friendship. Let me, uh, because you find out if you look for what's right with people, you feel a whole lot better inside than if you're, there with your critical mind finding out what's wrong with them Mm -hmm. and you can actually practice love with everyone you meet that's what i found to be my spiritual how i could do uh, dating in a spiritual way was i could bring love and i don't have to wait to find out if i love you if you check all my boxes and we may go forward i can just be loving in this moment on this date no matter what the outcome is Mm. it's so simple and so radical because it's so far away from what we do Mm -hmm. and it was a way that i saw that oh my goodness we're all trying to date from an unloving place you cannot attract love from an unloving place Mm -hmm. it's doomed to fail if you're going in with here's what i don't like about this person so that I, i can discard them you know how to book flights and hotels All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. So very true. I mean, what you are saying makes a lot of sense because I think in the online dating space, humans are reduced to products. And right. all you're doing is you're swiping so that you find the product with the right face and the features and the nose and the ears and the eyes and hopefully a good bio that sort of you know piques some curiosity. And then what happens is maybe you, you match and then you, 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 you chat for a couple of days, but then you know, at the back of your mind, you're still wondering, have I found the right product yet? Or is there any other yes. right product in that dating pool that I can, uh, you know, find out and match with? But like you're pointing out to, that never ends because, you know, how, how do you figure out when that ends? As opposed to um, finding out what, what's right with that person and, and sort of bringing love to that space which I'm sure is a, is a different experience altogether. And I love that you said that uh, friendship should come first. I mean, in the traditional sense, or at least what's going on right now, when relationships break up more often than not, um, either one of them will say, hey, you know what, I don't feel it. You seem more like a friend to me. And that's sort of a reason for the that's breakup. Good. <laughs> that's good, right? <laughs> No, I had those misconceptions myself, but I think we, um, what we're, what we're, what, what people have been taught to want mm. is a kind of, uh, they call it chemistry, which is often not a good sign because uh, everyone thinks what they're looking for is chemistry, but chemistry often means it's our worst nightmare. Yeah. So let me give you an example. Um, uh, everyone kind of knows this, um, example of somebody who's been beat up in childhood and they learn that love has to do with pain and so they grow up and they're out dating and then they end up with someone who treats them badly and they they don't want to let go because this feels like love to them mm. because they learned in childhood that love equals pain so they're still living out love equals pain and that felt like chemistry to them because it felt like what they grew up with like oh this just feels like the one it's like that's not the one for you yes that's chemistry but that's a sign that this is stimulating some old unfinished business that you should probably work on in therapy or probably look at whether or not this person is actually a good person for you mm -hmm. chemistry also can mean this person looks really close to as you would say the ideal product so I feel chemistry because they look like, you know, Beyonce was named the number one, about 10 years ago, Beyonce was named the number one person that guys would choose for a girlfriend. So, yeah. so, so, you know, this person, the closer they look to Beyonce, the more I feel like I have chemistry for, or Chris Hemsworth or whoever, you know, yeah. it's like, that's, that's, that's chemistry as they look close to that ideal. So yeah. chemistry I say is enjoyable but you really should not take it as your number one criteria because it might be leading you astray that this is a person that you can never actually feel friendship with. That's so true. I mean, this is a very yogic kind of thought process also, right? Because, yeah, you know, when you're doing breath work, 
a lot of times you might see colors, you might notice signs, you might see all these patterns, but then the guru will tell you, you know, don't, that's just chemistry. Don't, don't it's fall a, yeah, on the yeah, colors. Exactly. That might come, that might not come sometimes. Sometimes you exactly. might just have a calm or a bliss, but then because you're so attached to wanting to see the colors and have that chemistry going on inside your body that you'll miss out on the more deeper essence of just sitting in the silence and enjoying the nothingness, which is the ultimate goal, at least from a yogic standpoint. Exactly. That's very beautiful. So then also in Tantra, we're very much body focused because um, the mainstream Western world is about cutting off our awareness at our neck. And we think and we see that's basically our experience. We've been trained that that's our experience of life is to think, analyze and see. And most people consider their body to be something that's a little bit of a problem, like it's not kind of shaped right and it's, yep. it's sick and it's my boobs aren't big enough or, you know, all these problems, the little uh, spare tire or whatever. And the body is kind of this, we can have pleasure sometimes, but mostly it's kind of in my way. So in Tantra, we try to really bring our awareness down into our bodies live in our bodies as well as our minds and not just think and analyze all the time. So what I, another thing I say in tantric dating is we try to bring our awareness into our bodies. And when you're on a date, you just even feel, if you even feel good sitting next to this person, mm. because I personally, I don't know how many of your listeners have had this experience, but I was married to a guy. And when it was breaking up, I realized, I don't even feel comfortable sitting in the same room with him. Mm. How did I miss that our bodies don't even really like each other? He just seemed good on paper. <laughs> I just missed that we didn't have that two bodies who like to hang out, like to sit on the couch and cuddle, slap each other on the butt at Trader Joe's, mm. just hang out, you know? And so when we're, when we're, um, Doing conventional dating of swiping left, swiping right, going by this checklist, we might miss that very important information that our body is telling us is number one, is this person safe? Number two, is a lovely friendship possible? Do I even like being in this person's presence? Because that's what's going to be required to have really juicy, wonderful, loving sex. Mm. Is to really have a sense of trust. Our bodies like each other. Uh, I feel this quality of friendliness that you're not going to make fun of me. You're not going to uh, put me down because I don't have a fashion model body. You're not going to mind that I, that I have love handles. You know, you're just going to be on my side like a friend is. And out of that, a sexual friendship will be far deeper, richer experience than anything that was built on chemistry and then burns out right away. I say look for chemistry. My advice is look for chemistry if you want to have a weekend fling with somebody. But if you're looking for a longer term relationship, you want to, of course, feel a sexual attraction. But friendship comes first. Mm -hmm. And comfortableness and safety. We had the Me Too movement where a lot of people realized that they hadn't felt safe and hadn't been safe. I don't want to make it sound like they weren't just feeling safe, but they uh, weren't in safe situations. And uh, a lot of what the training can go on now for women and men is in my body, do I feel safe with this person? Because the person can look great and 
uh, say all the right things, but if you have a deep down sense in the body that this person isn't safe, that's to be trusted. So we're looking for safety in long-term relationships. We're looking for love and um, how we can build that deep friendship and love. So I know this might be a hard question, but what was um, an average day at the ashram like, or what was a typical day at the ashram like? Uh, first thing I would always do my coffee meditation at the German bakery okay. every morning. <laughs> <laughs> then I would um, go and um, go into the ashram itself. And um, there were uh, at least six uh, meditations going on every day. So you would have what's called dynamic meditation. Um, for your listeners that don't know, Osho invented a lot of very active meditations because he said that our minds are so busy, we, we can't sit down and be quiet yet we need to throw out get throw out some of our energy before we can get quiet so he devised these meditations that were in four parts where you would shake your body up and then you would be able to sit quietly for the last part of the meditation so those six meditations were always going on through the day so you would take those if you wanted or didn't there were cafes all over where you could sit and meet people from all over the world. That's what I love the most. You could meet people from all over the world, Germans, Japanese people, Australians. Those were the uh, largest uh, percentage of people visiting French. Of course, Indians, everyone, everyone was welcome. And uh, beautiful cafes, the uh, resort was vegetarian. Um, and then they had the largest uh, personal growth center in the world there. And uh, people think Esalen, which is a wonderful place here in uh, the Bay Area, is the largest personal growth center, but at its, uh, it's actually the one in Pune. So you would have all kinds of therapists from all over the world leading seminars. Mm -hmm. Always there were three or four seminars going on and they were, um, so you would pay, for example, I went on a 10 day Tantra workshop with Margot Anand, who's probably the leading Tantra teacher in the world. And when we say 10 days, that meant six in the morning until midnight. <laughs> you would get up and do meditations in the morning and then you would be together all day and you would be learning all these uh, ways of being. Uh, there were every kind of workshop possible, people teaching Reiki, body work, uh, men and women, uh, different things, different meditations that Osho had devised. So a lot of it was people being there uh, practicing learning, growing, everyone dedicated very strongly to personal and spiritual growth. Got it. And did you get a chance to meet Osho at some point? Well, he had died by the time I was I there. I okay. was once at the, uh, when I was in Oregon, I don't know how many of your listeners saw Wild Wild Country, which was kind of a biased view, but <laughs> <laughs> but it gave you the flavor that when Osho would drive by in the car. So I was watching a drive by when he uh, drove by in the car and I got really the strong sense of energy, strong sense of energy. This is something I discovered in India that I had not heard about in the West, even though I'd been a spiritual seeker for so long, is you meet beings. Mm. In India, I met beings of such high frequency, pulsating, that in their presence, you guys are gonna think I'm crazy, but I'm not. <laughs> in their presence, it's like it would be like psychedelic drugs. I would you could see auras around their heads. Um, you could it felt like the lights were 
warping somehow because these people have developed themselves to such a high frequency that they're it's inexplainable something happens to your own body in their presence yeah you're definitely not the first one who said this because a lot of uh, the people that i've interviewed on my show in fact including the person that comes to my mind right now is dan brule and uh, swami saradananda and all these different people who went to india they noticed these individuals who through practice or through other exercises or their own regimen were able to you know build their magnetism or their energy to to yeah. such a extent that it, it had an influence on people around them which is yes. which is fascinating now uh, in talking about how you met your husband you say it seemed like magic when we met because that it was that is what we've been led to believe by movies and fairy tales disney princesses and superheroes it looked and felt like magic because when we met we both experienced something far beyond what we'd ever felt before our coming together even seemed like something of the divine and yet it wasn't magic because we created it by preparing ourselves by the inner and outer work we've been doing in a dedicated manner for a long time so how did you prepare for this encounter uh-huh. so to speak uh-huh uh i heard a great thing about a month ago somebody said behind any magic is the magician so magic looks like it's uh something but the magician has created that so um uh, what i teach people is there's many areas that we need that we that we can work on ourselves to increase our frequency i had to see that i wasn't really loving enough was one thing i thought i was a loving person i mean i have family friends i had a cat i mean you know yeah. you think you're a typical loving person but i realized for example the way i went about dating which was considered culturally normal to was very unloving hmm. so i would meet men and i go yeah yeah doesn't look good you know we're taught to do that and i realized that's not being a loving person you know that's not being loving because loving to me means I'm equally loving to everyone. One of my coaches said, you know what? And I think this is one of my goals. He said, I treat everyone the same if it's a fashion model or a bum on the not a bum, that what a terrible unloving thing to say. A homeless person on a bus bench, yeah. I want to treat them the same. I think that's a beautiful aspiration. So, I had a lot of work to do and obviously I still do if I'm referring to people as bums. So, <laughs> ways to go. But this is what we do. We keep working to raise our frequency to be more loving. Mm-hmm. It's one thing. We raise our frequency by taking good care of our bodies and trying to live in our bodies, eating better food, um by staying in shape in some way. And we don't have to become super athletes or vegans or anything like this, but we want to at least uh raise our frequency that we're not being our energy is down from you know eating badly all the time type of thing we want to clean out we we raise our frequency by cleaning out the uh trauma from our past a lot of us had i certainly came from a difficult childhood i had to do a lot of work in therapy to clean that out to be able to have a good relationship so that's a way people can raise their frequency and mm-hmm. our thought patterns and and so forth all of this raises our frequency maybe some day to the level of those people in India who are vibrating but at least enough to be able to attract another loving person. Mm. I realized that the men I had been attracting before were kind of half loving, one foot in and one foot out and I realized 
It's a reflection of me. I'm a half-loving person. I thought I was fine, but when I was really uh, figuring it out, I realized I need to raise my frequency to be more loving. And then I was able to attract a man who was genuinely loving. Mm -hmm. Very, he, very interesting. And I'm sure our listeners are able to relate also to their lives uh, or instances where they were half-loving or maybe they notice now that there are certain areas of their life that need some inner work. Now, how do you know if the other person has done their work? Any signals, any hints, any signs did you look for or do you not look for these things? Definitely. Uh, first of all, kindness became to my number one uh, thing on my list. Okay. For example, I remember a guy I went out with and he was kind of rude to the waiter and I thought, wow, that's not a person who's going to be safe. You know, so a kindness to other people. Um, I started realizing I needed to be with someone who my list changed, but it was more a frequency thing. Uh, I wanted to see if um, a person was involved in any way in giving, uh, if their profession is giving, or if they teach, if they coach Little League after work, or if they uh, uh, contribute to their church, or if they uh, coach young men, or in some way are involved in giving and not just getting. Because the person who's just involved with how much am I getting out of life is not going to be really in a loving space. So those were the, some of the things I looked at. I looked at, is my body safe with this person? Is the friendship possible? It started to be for me when I started getting closer and closer to meeting my husband that if I felt a lot of strong chemistry with someone, I need to really slow this down and mm. be careful. Right. This is a sign to be careful. It might work. I felt a lot of chemistry when my husband, when we met. So I said, I'm going really slow. I'm not going to jump in because my pattern before, like a lot of people is chemistry, jump in. Mm -hmm. For example, my hairdresser told me this morning, she met a guy a week ago and they're already an item. I was like, well, we'll see how that works. Maybe it works. Sometimes it works, but often it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was part of it too, was slowing down when I felt really strong attraction and just making sure that this is a good person. Mm -hmm. Is this a person who gives? Is this a person who's kind? My husband had raised a disabled child. Okay. I thought anyone who has the patience to do that, that is a good quality. So you look for good qualities. They have good relationships with their family, with their friends. And just it takes some time to get to know someone. It's not just this. We're all taught this Disney fantasy that we'll get this flash and that means it's right. Well, it used to take time to get to know someone. And I think the pandemic has helped people slow down to realize, let's get to know people a little more and who they are and whether or not they walk their talk. That's very, very true. But would you also say that the pandemic has uh, reduced the physical interactions that people are having? And now because, or at least before, a lot of the dating was happening on live stream or online. Um, yes. that has in a way hampered the ability for people to sit in with their energy and sort of sense, right? Check in with your body. Am I comfortable with that person or not? I think that's totally true. And I think that essence can be communicated through, through a video. Video. Yeah, I do. I mean, yes, of course you miss the bodily interaction. And, and I just think if I had been still single during that time, that would have been really awful. I really, my heart goes out to every single person locked in their home. 
But I also feel that you can, if you really tune in, you can get essence from a person. I do all my therapy sessions now over Zoom and um, I really feel I can get uh, what's going on very deeply. If we're really attentive, if we're quiet inside, if we're paying attention, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times in dating, we don't want to see the truth. You know, yeah. we want to be swept away. We think this person's so cute. I don't care who they are, mm-hmm. you know? And often when people are heartbroken, I'll say to them, when did you know? And they'll go, I knew right away, but they were so cute. I didn't want to see it. I said, I've done that. I have definitely done that. So I think it's a a method, whether we're online or in person, to just really check in and go, am I allowing myself to see the truth about this person or am I just wanting them because they look good on paper, because they're the cultural ideal? So I subtitled my book, Bringing Love and Awareness to the Dating Process, because we want to bring our awareness, not just this thing we've been taught we're supposed to want. We're supposed to want people to look a certain way. But you know, if you live in Botswana, you're not looking for that same type of person. It's very culturally induced who we're supposed to want. So we bring our love, we bring our awareness. If we bring love to the dating process, then we're more likely to attract love. If we bring, as you said, a shopping list for a product, we're going to get someone who treats us that way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, standards of beauty keep changing from time to time, right? Based on right. where we are at in society. Mm-hmm. And if we depend on the society, that might change. That's a fad. But like you're implying, there are certain um, transcendent qualities that remain the same, attracted, attractive, no matter what time or age it is. Mm-hmm. Like you pointed out, aspects of kindness and... Um, giving in nature and working on your energy. These are things that are, you know, attractive no matter what age or time we're living in. And uh, you've also written that Osho once said that Tantra is the science of transforming ordinary lovers into soulmates. So what is that missing element in ordinary lovers that is there within Tantric soulmates? Wow, that's a good question. I teach a whole workshop on this. So let me try to distill that. Um, Tantric lovers are really being present in the moment with each other and Mm -hmm. finding each other right. So ordinary lovers are um, not trying, unless we're, unless we have some kind of practice of mindfulness and we're really trying to be present, we're usually are, you know, we're living our lives and our our, uh, attention is going everywhere. Mm -hmm. But when we're, uh, when we're soulmates, we're really bringing our attention to this moment, how perfect it is and how perfect my lover is. Mm-hmm. So I know in my previous relationships, I would get really irritated about all these things that I didn't like that my partner was doing. And I'm not looking for that anymore. As I've raised my own frequency in Tantra, I and my partner, we're not really looking for all those things that we were before. Consequently, there aren't very many. You know, because we're not looking for, oh, I can't stand the way you, uh, what, you know, the, the thing people always talk about that they fight about is that 
toothpaste but then they put the toothpaste tube on the tube or whatever mm -hmm. it's like if that doesn't matter to you then it doesn't matter if they do it the wrong the wrong way um being very present in sex makes a whole different type of sexual encounter uh, than conventional sex it actually literally makes love mm -hmm. we have that euphemism that we call uh, sex making love but when you yeah. make love in this mindful way it actually creates more love in the relationship mm -hmm. so there's this tantra creates soulmates first of all because each person has worked on themselves to create uh, raise their own frequency to met uh, uh, bring in a person of another high frequency and then you work on the relationship to have the higher frequency also through mindfulness through all these things we talked about before through maintaining the body, the energy in the body, continually, continuing to uh, work up it, work out any trauma from the past. Mm -hmm. Another thing we teach is speaking the truth. Dating and relationships usually aren't about speaking the truth. And we're about speaking the radical truth and talking about things until they're done. That's a different type of relationship than ordinary lovers. So it's on many levels. You could say it as each of the different chakras have a, a way of uh, teaching us about a higher frequency. So we, so in transforming ordinary lovers to soulmates, there's all these raisings of the frequency in these different areas. And the results are phenomenal, I must say. Yeah, at the beginning of our interview, you shared a statistic about how there were so many breakups that were happening or maybe divorces as well. And I'm sure that during the pandemic, that might have gone up even more. I think so. So my question to you is, you talk about this uh, term called the perpetual honeymoon, right? So mm. is this a relationship uh, goal that people in 2021 can still aspire to? Is it possible to be in that perpetual honeymoon and work together maybe to have a long-term, you know, successful and thriving uh, monogamous relationship? Well, for me, it's one of the only things that matters. And um, I like to go back to old Dr. Freud, <laughs> who said there's basically, I love this, it's so wise. I'm not a super Freudian or anything, but he said, there's two things that matter in life, love and work. Yeah. And I went, wow. When I heard that, I thought it's so simple. It's genius. Mm -hmm. it's so genius. And it's like, those are the two gold rings in life, right? There's the great relationship and there's the great career. Mm -hmm. And those basically, I mean, we have spiritual search and everything too, but in terms of our, what's going to make us feel satisfied, I think at the end of our lives is or as we're building them, is that we build a great relationship and a great career. Mm -hmm. And I think that society is very in favor of us all building our great careers, even though they give us a lot of fantasies that it's easy and should mm -hmm. happen overnight, which is not true. <laughs> and, but then I think the same thing is true about going for this other gold ring of the great relationship. I think it's definitely something people can uh, if they want it, they can definitely create it. Takes a lot more work than you thought it would, just like your career is going to take a lot more work than you thought it would. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to build and and grow and you have to attend to it. But definitely that can still be a goal for people if that's what they want. Society may be changing a bit that less people want that. Some people want polyamory relationships. Some people prefer serial monogamy. Uh, marriage is probably not quite the hip thing. For a lot of people mm -hmm. but if people um 
there was a study done by Esquire magazine mm -hmm. uh, a few years back. Now, Esquire is a more educated East Coast type of respondent is going to answer their survey. But 96% of men who answered that survey still wanted a monogamous long-term relationship, which really surprised me. But I think that quest, even for people who are maybe more still in experimental stages, I think we still have a soul longing for our partner. Mm -hmm. Jung, Carl Jung said, everybody is half of one whole, which is very romantic. And I think a lot of us feel that urge that I just still want to find that soulmate. And what I love from that quote from Osho is, that's not going to just happen to us as a fairy princess or a handsome prince. It's something we work towards. And if we continue to raise our own frequency, continue to examine, am I loving enough to attract a soulmate? Am I a soulmate myself? Is it, and I want to continue to work towards that happening. There's many things I can do along this path to raise my frequency, become more loving, treat the opposite or the same sex, whoever I'm uh, looking for in a more loving manner. And then once I'm in a relationship, how can I keep that going and create a soulmate relationship? I know it's possible. I did so much work and I teach other people how to do that as well. Great. And so in talking about how you can open more to love, right? Because you're saying that you got to be a more loving person and open yeah. more to love. Um, one of your Tantra teachers said that it's not a question about how do I open more, but where am I holding? So what did she mean oh, by that when she said that? It was such a beautiful, that was just so mind-blowing when I heard that. So um, we might notice for example, if we're sitting there on a date across the table from this person and I notice I'm all t uptight because I don't want to be with this person because they're not my, I'm not going to marry them. Mm -hmm. You know, I've already decided, and it's probably true, you're not going to marry them, that's fine, they're not going to end up being your soulmate. But I notice that my body is clenched because I'm trying to get out of here mm -hmm. because I don't want to be on this date. That's where I'm holding against bliss and love and possibly having a loving encounter with this person mm -hmm. that's holding right that's going to affect my ability to feel bliss in other situations because i'm unloving right now so i relax that i go okay so we're not gonna be we're not gonna ever be each other's great beloved but how can i just enjoy you as a person today there's a relaxation i noticed where i'm holding okay um this can be in a conversation with a friend. It's like, I'm holding back. I don't want to tell you this part. Well, maybe I shouldn't because I don't trust you, but I noticed the holding. And in sex, I noticed the holding. I'm not really wanting to let go right now. Uh, I'm a little scared or there's not enough quality of friendship here or whatever. That's where I'm, that's how, instead of how am I not opening? It's like, I, that way I can take responsibility and do something about that holding if I want to. I can breathe and relax it. A lot of aches and pains in the body are because we're holding. We learn to breathe and relax that holding. It's a beautiful approach to life. That's very true. And I think we keep coming back to the theme of, uh, you know, like being in your body and sensing into how you're feeling in the moment, yes. the moment you're feeling it. And there's this term that I've come across uh, in Tantra, which is called de-armoring the 
lingam or the yoni but have you yes. have you come across that and what oh yes what, what exactly Definitely. does that intend done some work on that um so all of us carry stresses and traumas in our bodies and our sexual organs actually carry stress and trauma in them okay for example uh, a woman uh, um, we can see this with people who have been sexually traumatized people who've been sexually abused in childhood which is actually one in three women and one in 10 men. It's mm -hmm. really a lot of people. So you can feel that their sexual organs might hold tension in them and not really feel relaxed because they've been hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, but even on a very uh, more extremely subtle level, we all carry tension in our genitals from living in a sex negative culture. People might think that this culture is sex positive because we have sex everywhere on TV and porn's everywhere and porn's on, you know, billboards and everywhere. But it's really not sex positive because what I noticed is what's still taboo is loving sex. What you can have on television or movies is kinky sex. You can have uh, people who don't know each other having wild sex. You very rarely have uh, loving, gentle, uh, making love sex portrayed that is taboo and um so when we grow up in this culture where sex is still naughty and uh you're going to get your hand slapped if you are doing this sort of thing and you certainly don't want to be talking openly about loving sex because you know facebook won't let us advertise because it's right. <laughs> it's loving yeah. sex it's a, yeah. and um so anyway, all of our genitals have had all these sexual encounters all our life that weren't particularly loving. And there's a little residue of that kept in all of us that I'm afraid, uh, I don't know if this is going to be loving or not. Am I good in bed? Am I, does he like me? Does she think I'm hot? All this gets trapped a little bit in the genitals. So in Tantra, there are actually, in some of the advanced levels, there's actually healing techniques where you apply a little massage or you... Uh, lovingly de-armor, which means let go of that defensiveness that the um, that the organs, the whole body, mm -hmm. the sexual organs in particular, have tightened up and defensive. You know, men have learned to be, uh, treat their lingams, their penises, quite harshly with uh, porn. Mm -hmm. Teaches them to just really be very aggressive with themselves until they ejaculate, mm -hmm. and. This is very different than a soft, loving touch that might um, stimulate some emotions or uh, be used for lovemaking. That's very true. And I think from the you know male standpoint also, like you pointed out, there's a lot of anxiety that tends to happen, right? Does she like Definitely. me or not? Am I performing well or not? Am I good enough or not? And those narratives tend to you know, uh, affect your performance uh, during sex as well. And, um, you know, the good thing, like you pointed out, also, you, you know, porn sets a different standard in terms of what you think should happen on the bed versus exactly. you know, slow, slow lovemaking uh, and loving, loving sex. Uh, but you pointed out that there are definitely certain techniques and practices, not just mental practices, but physical practices that you can do to release those holding patterns and that stress that we've probably held on to from childhood um and 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 once that is you know uh liberated then you show up in a different way right yeah believe it or not one of the best things you can do is just shake your body 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and just shake your body and shake for a few minutes. And that helps get some of this tension out that we're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. And Osho had created some meditations where we just shake. And I think some people are doing it now in yoga classes. And just to try to get rid of some of that, uh, yes, that uh, tension that's been there since childhood. Mm-hmm. I think men are under enormous um, pressure. Um, one of my male uh, colleagues said that I had never realized this. He said, sex is very stressful for men. Mm-hmm. You know, in the cultural image that men always know what they're doing and they're always in charge yeah. and they're just sex maniacs and this thing. And it's like, yeah. not most men. Mm-hmm. Most men are feeling like they don't really, not sure that they know what to do and will they perform? And there's, uh, you know, are their bodies good enough? Used, that burden used to just be on women that we didn't have good enough bodies. But yeah. in social media, it's on men just as bad. And um, most women or lovers of men, men who are lovers of men, don't realize how stressful sex is for men. Yeah. And men are, are uh, really not helped that way to be able to blossom into their sexual nature as lovers. Um, men can be sexual healers for women. Uh, they're not told this. They're just told that they're horn dogs. <laughs> they just want sex all the time. It's like I, in all my travels, I have never met a, a man who only wants one thing. You know, men want love just like everyone else. They look for it with their penis. There's nothing wrong with that. They're different than women. But it's like men are looking for love just like everyone else. There's this whole social idea that they they aren't looking for love. They just want to take advantage of women. And yes, we found out during Me Too that there are some ugly mm-hmm. people who are like that, ugly men who are like that. But I, I, uh, I think that's... I got in trouble on social media because I said that's only 1% of men that are like that. Yeah. Maybe it's 3%. I don't know, but it's a very small percentage of men that actually want to take advantage of women sexually. Yeah. I think what what has happened partly is that there's people are painting with a broad paintbrush, right? Like all men are that way, but that's not true. You know that. uh, And also people sometimes confuse between masculinity and men. Mm, what do you mean by that? By that I mean that you can have a lot of masculine, toxic masculine qualities in women too, right? And I think in your book you sort of allude to that as well as part of what we we're noticing a lot of shifts in society where you know women are you know taking more uh, you know uh, roles and masculinity, which can be good, but it can have its negative patterns as well, right? In terms of how the yin and yang of uh, yeah. man, you know men and women come together. Does that make sense? I don't know if I put it totally. I like to use the words yin and yang instead of masculine and feminine because I think it's very shameful to say a man is too much feminine and a woman is too much inner masculine. Yeah. Like I've always been smart and people would say that's a masculine quality. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? I don't feel masculine. (laughs) So, so I think you can take yin and yang, uh, yin and yang, and everybody is uh, the yin and yang symbol is balanced. So I think the ideal human being, regardless of gender, would be uh, equally balanced in their yin and yang qualities. And that means, you know, in the more popular terms, masculine and feminine. But I think we need to, I think that um, gender fluid movement is really trying to change this idea that uh, women are supposed to be feminine and men are supposed to be masculine. That's the end of the story. That, That story is long gone (laughs) thank god 
And um, I don't think we need to stop shaming men, shaming men for openly wanting to to be loving beings. Yeah. In the same way we stop shaming women who want to achieve and win at the Olympics and so on, we need to stop shaming men who want to be lovers, who want to love their families, their uh, wife, their uh, girlfriend, uh, and, you know, like be Martin, like Martin Luther King, have their lives be about changing the world through love. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. And so uh, once we've identified what that holding pattern is, the holding pattern that's sort of not allowing us to really show up and be fully present during an interaction or in a relationship or whatever the holding pattern is, right? Like you pointed out, maybe we're holding, feeling that tightness um, in our stomach or in our chest, what happens then? Now that I know, okay, during such and such encounter, I was feeling a holding pattern in and around my sacral area or my um, you know, solar plexus chakra. What happens then? What can somebody do after that? Well, a really good thing to do is body work with a, a body worker who knows how to release some of those old tensions. Okay. Um, I did a lot of that myself. You can just go in and have them actually change the the fascia and the holding patterns in the body and loosen them up yeah. and get them out for permanently. Maybe during times of stress, they might come back, but then it changes your body permanently that you just don't have a holding pattern there anymore. Some things are as simple as, you know, I'm, uh, I need a more ergonomic desk because I'm starting to hold like this, you know, yeah, it yeah, can yeah. be just really looking at this, but then there's also emotional holding patterns. Like, um, I find it hard to be loving towards people I meet on dates. And then that would be something you might want to work on in therapy mm-hmm. or with a spiritual guide to say, I notice that I'm very kind of mean when I'm dating. I'm like, ew, I don't, he was a, uh, you know, I hear people say, oh, he was a creep. I'm like, <laughs> really? That's such an unloving attitude yeah. to try to find love with. Right, 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 right. Very common, very, very common. common. Yeah. But you can't find love from a place of non-love. And so you said body work, but if somebody wants is listening to the show right now and wants to you know book an appointment with a body worker, is there any particular modality that one should be looking for? Is this something that an RMT can do, or? Well, what I'm familiar with is deep tissue work because that tissue, really yeah. goes deep where the holding is. So yeah. that would be like rolling or deep tissue. Okay. It could be a massage therapist can also often get in there. Sometimes chiropractors, although I found chiropractors you can't really tell who's the good ones but a really good chiropractor (laughs) yeah Yeah. so what should you tell them that kind of work what what do you what do you tell them because this is like a very specific uh tantra related um uh, i'll just say i'm working on this area because body workers usually kind of speak that language and they usually know more about it than you do they're like well you're holding that because you lean over too much at your desk and because you have some emotional holding and you're like okay <laughs> okay <laughs> that's helpful yeah okay. makes so that's sense one way to work on it you can also just work on it yourself by bringing your attention your meditative awareness your mindfulness to that area and mm. i often encourage people talk to that part of your body okay if it's in your sacral area just get very quiet go inside and let the information come to you what is going on here what are you wanting 
maybe you'll have a memory of when you fell on that area as a child, or maybe you'll have a memory of stiffening up there one time when you were making love, or maybe you'll have a, a feeling of, I'm not safe with this person and that's why I don't wanna be with them. All kinds of information, if you really listen to the body, the body will give you information. It's just, we don't ever see the body as an authority to offer us information. And when we start actually dropping down from our heads into the body and seeing what the body knows, mm. who it's comfortable with, it's actually a, a better, um, you know, the, I like to use this analogy. The body's often like a little dog, you know, dogs will walk up to someone and go, no, not safe. <laughs> and we can use this in dating where we can just go, does my body feel safe with this person? That's number one than how they look. And you know, you'll end up with someone attractive. Don't worry about it. It used to be a big fear of mine too. What if I have to be with someone who's not attractive? You'll end up with someone attractive. But if you let go of that and go, number one, my body needs to feel comfortable with this person because I want to just hang out on the couch. Yeah. That is a really good way to let the wisdom of the body help you find love. Interesting. And you know, speaking about body, part of what I'm doing, at least in the next couple of days, is I'm going to go on a five-day juice fast. You know, because for me, I did the juice fast a couple of months back, and I noticed that I did a three-day juice fast. And I noticed that once I was focusing on having these nutritious, organic, different kind of juices during the day, not having coffee in the morning and not, you know, having physical food so much in the afternoon and evening in fact no food for three days but this time i'm going to do five days towards the end of it towards the fourth day in in in, in the previous case it was the second and third day my body felt very different you know it was as if my cells at a cellular level level were singing it felt very cleansing. <laughs> like it felt very detoxifying and uh i'm sure you know for the next few weeks i felt like my body was listening and talking just like the dog as opposed ah, to ah you can hear it yeah i could i could hear it it was yeah. amazing and yes and that's it's true and so this is another way you can raise your frequency is by cleansing your body yeah and um uh you know it's, it's funny because after a five-day juice fast you'll also think i don't really ever want to eat food again because yeah. <laughs> you can feel how the way the uh, even when we're eating nutritious food um which there isn't that much of, but when, even when we're eating that, it bring, tends to bring our energy down. So yeah, yeah I look, I'm really uh, excited for you that you're doing that. That really helps raise the frequency and you learn a lot. You learn so much. You learned about how to go through um, difficult, uncomfortable situations because uh, especially if you're doing a juice fast for the first time, then on the first, maybe the second day, you start getting headaches start feeling oh yeah right? you realize you're kind of toxic <laughs> you're kind of toxic and your body's letting go of all that toxicity and you might get some loose motions and things like that but that's just part of the experience and just like life when you know obstacles and, and difficult situations come most people give up but if you go through these things these practices like you pointed out whether it's juicing or having a cold shower in the morning or voluntarily you know going through struggles and and, and changing your mindset then uh, life is going to be different. I mean, I think the challenges will not stop, but then the way you look at the challenges will will change. I think when you're uh, doing a fast, you have a lot of time to uh, 
you have a lot of extra time because you're not spending yeah. that, that time preparing food. That's you actually true. do start obsessing about food a little bit, I found. <laughs> you do or no? You do. You do, yeah. Yes. First yeah. first few days, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, you start feeling really light and free and your body gets a lot of those kinks out we were talking about earlier. I did a two-week two one once where really? it was also with cleansing every day. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you just you can actually feel like your best self. That's very true. But people have to be careful because you can really unbalance your body. Yeah. Like a four-day juice fast could be like too much sugar for some people. Yeah. Five-day juice fast. So it's good to kind of educate yourself about it. And um, But it's definitely definitely a transformative experience that can raise your frequency. So uh, one thing I've noticed and I've observed is that uh, people who, you know, practice Tantra, what is a male tantra practitioner called? Because a female practitioner is called tantrika, right? They're both called tantrika. Both, both of them are called tantrika. Yeah. Okay, great. So I've noticed that uh, when somebody has been practicing tantra for many years together, maybe even decades, if they're, you know, elderly, they look very young, right? Yes. Do you, have you noticed that as well? I mean, yes, you also, you, you emulate those youthful qualities. So is it the practice? Is, is it the mindset? What, you know, what do you feel looking back? You know, it's so interesting because uh, when I first was being attracted to Tantra, there was an older couple. I went to a party yeah. and there was an older couple and okay. they were like, they were like radiating. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, whatever they're doing, I yeah. want, Yeah. you know? And I, um, so I uh, actually ended up moving into their house later on, but that's not necessary, but it's that same quality you're talking about. And I yeah. think it's the, um, I think it's many things. I mean, taking care of the body, uh, uh, healing our sexual trauma, mm. healing our emotional trauma, uh, getting rid of extra things, um, always being on a quest keeps you youthful. Right. That's Never true. deciding, like you said, can you can a person today find their soulmate? You can't if you give up. Mm-hmm. So keeping always alive osho said you have until your last breath to keep evolving it's very so true. it's not really a matter of age plus the quality of mindfulness tantra is a, about being mindful in this moment that this moment is perfect so if you are living your life mindfully moment to moment there's a certain radiance that happens mm, it's there's so a certain profound. radiance so yeah, this yeah, is yeah. uh maybe the fountain of youth is that and you're also interested in sex so when you lose your interest in sex, you get old, I think. So you uh, you just keep interest, interested in this beautiful lovemaking. How can it... So what people don't realize, this is another lie from the culture, is that sex can get better and better and better and better as you age. Mm. So Breaking the mainstream, stereotypes. <laughs> the mainstream culture says, you know, men peak at 15, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and men peak, uh, women peak at 30, what? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's all downhill from there. And yeah. why would you want to get in a relationship if uh, sex is going to get stale? Mm. But if you are continuing to grow as a person and evolve and raise your frequency, why wouldn't sex get better and better also? That so one reason true. older tantric people are uh, glowing and radiating is because they're having better sex than younger people. <laughs> <laughs> It's much more loving. It's full-bodied. It lasts a lot longer. Yeah. It is keeping people alive and, and youthful. Plus, I think the other thing is also, and you write this in your book, is that 
one of the reasons why people feel they're old is partly because of loneliness, right? If you mm. that they're alone. But you share that if you show up in every moment, then you're not really longing just for your soulmate, but you find love in every encounter that you have. Mm. Whether it's with a stranger, with the person who's giving you the coffee at the coffee shop, with just a dog that you see on the road, with some random passerby, you're showing up with love because you realize that love cannot come from outside, it comes from within. You are living in love then. You're creating your own life of living in love. And that's up to each one of us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I can be, I have my grumpy moments, of course, like everybody. And then we're not living in love. But when we're loving the dog, as you said, and uh, saying hello to the person at the coffee shop and doing this and that and living in love, radiating, then you're living in love. Mm -hmm. And then love is attracted to you. That's love true. is in your life. Love cannot resist you because mm -hmm. you are the frequency of love. Mm -hmm. When you go about that same day and you're just crabby and you don't want to talk to anybody, no, no love is attracted to you. It's attracted to you. Yeah, so you don't, you're not living in love. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have another person to be in love. For me, that wasn't enough. I wanted my perfect partner. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of very wise people who say you don't need anyone else. I'm like, well, I don't know. I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to, that's not going to be enough for me, but I had to get to that point where I was living in love for love to be attracted to me, not half love. And that's what I write about in my book. I have some exercises in there to help people. The one you talked about is the coffee shop. So I suggest everyone, for example, I call it the Starbucks exercise. You can go wherever you want. And you just go in and most people, most single people are going, well, he's cute. She's hot. Mm. You know, no, I don't think so on that one. That's how we scan. And I say, swipe, try swipe, scanning. Swipe. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're swiping in public. Yeah. And I say, well, just try to sit there in that coffee shop and everybody is standing in line. Try to find that person looks like they uh, drive their kids to ballet lessons after, after they get home from work. Mm -hmm. And that person looks like they're probably an artist. And that person probably looks like they're worried about taking care of their mother or just looking for loving qualities in people and to train, start training the eye and the mind to scan for something different than who the magazines have told me is hot, who social, who social media has told me is hot mm -hmm. because everyone else is doing has the same criteria for hot. Let's train ourselves to look for different qualities in people than that. And some people have told me that, that that exercise has changed them radically because they didn't, they weren't aware that they were screening so superficially. That is so true. That is so and denying true. everyone of their humanity. That's treating true. people, as you said, like products on a shelf. Yeah. And you cannot find love from that, from that perspective. You might find a relationship that breaks up, but you won't find love. You won't find a soulmate unless you are a lover. So I'm sure our listeners right now are sort of taking down notes and thinking about what they're going to try out the next time they are out and about. Maybe they're out and about right now listening to this podcast at the Starbucks lineup. That'd be great. <laughs> Maybe they can try it out immediately. But Action Tribe, I hope you enjoyed today's session so far. In this episode, we learned that Tantra is not what it is made out to be. It is so much more deeper and profound. 
you can't attract someone to love you until you love yourself deeply on a vibrational level. And the good thing is that whether or not you're looking for a partner right now, you can always do something to raise your vibrations and feel better right now, immediately taking care of yourself, whether it's through an oil bath or having some nice green juices, going out for a walk, spending time in sunshine, because just as Osho put, Tantra says, accept whoever you are. You are a great mystery of many multidimensional energies. Accept it and move with every single energy, with deep sensitivity, with awareness and love, and with understanding. And with that, we've come to the last round for today, the wisdom round, so that our listeners can take some notes and take action. And this is sort of like a rapid fire style round. <laughs> so so uh, what is the best piece of advice that you've received? I think breathing is actually the most important thing. I think if we can just remember to breathe, take a deep breath, notice that the breath is happening by itself, I think that's the, probably the most profoundly helpful thing there is. Nice. I don't always remember to breathe, but whenever I do, it's like, oh, there's bliss in every breath. If you can uh, modulate your breath and notice there's bliss coming in with every breath, but we just, we just do it unconsciously. So if you just take a deep breath right now, you can feel it enlivening you and actually tickling your funny bone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And if you could turn back time and spend one hour with someone who's living or dead, who would it be? Mm, I wouldn't actually want to turn back time. I think that the future is uh, what I'm most excited about. Okay. And so if you could go in the future, who would you meet? Oh, my goodness. I'd like to meet myself and my husband uh, when we're like rocking our 70s and 80s and 90s and seeing what sex is like when you're in your 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And what is one thing you do in the morning or in the evening before you sleep that has improved the quality of your life? I like to get up really early before the rest of the world and just have private time to myself, whether that's just being on social media, drinking my coffee, collecting myself for the day. I just think it's really important to have some just quiet time just to myself. And since I started doing that, I just, I just treasure that time. The world is quiet. Most people are asleep. It's kind of secretive. It's got this kind of secret energy around it. I just, I love that. And what is that one book you'd like to recommend for our listeners? My book, Tantric Dating, which just won. I, you didn't know this, AJ, but it just, uh, Book Authority just named it one of the best dating books of all time. I saw it. I saw the logo. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. I got I your book and I read the book as well. It's a really good book. <laughs> yeah. And you're coming with a new book, right? Tantric Mating? Tantric Mating and Tantric Relating. It's going to be a series. So okay. um, once you date and meet the person, then how do you uh, create the, create and continue the soulmate relationship? Got it, got it. So and your book is available on Audible as well, correct? Yes, it is. Amazing. And did you like sort of read out? Uh, did the I did, and I got someone who's an Somebody. actor. Okay, she has it. a beautiful voice, and I just chickened out <laughs> great well either way uh, our listeners know that they can get your book for free on audible right now 
because we have a tie-up with Audible and Audible has decided to offer all of our listeners one free audiobook with really? for free uh, just by signing up and checking out all the other amazing books that Audible has. So they need to go to my 7 forward slash free book, my 7 forward slash free book. And just once you're there, right, just search for uh, Catherine Allman's book, uh, Tantric Dating, and you can download it, start listening to it right away. And the good thing is it's not one of those 500 pages books. It's a shorter book, but it has all the essence so that you can listen to it and you can start applying it in your own life as well. And I've read it. It's a great book. I'm going to, you know, revisit it again. Thank you. So uh, before you go, what is that one thing that you're grateful for and how can somebody find you online? Oh, my gosh. I'm grateful for um, just about everything. I'm grateful for you as being such a great uh, interviewer today. You asked me some really good questions. I got stumped there a little bit. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Really some great thought provoking questions. Thanks for making this available for everybody. I'm um, online at katherineauman.com. Should I spell that or are you going to have that in the notes or? We'll have in the notes as well, but you can spell it out. Okay. Catherine with a C and my last name is spelled A-U-M-A-N. And I'm, um, I have a full YouTube channel with a lot of videos for you. And I'm on Facebook. My Instagram is a little weak. So check me out on uh, Facebook and, um, and YouTube. And stay in touch. I have a newsletter you can sign up for. You can get a free sample of my, uh, one of my previous books on my website. Uh, you can find out um, most of our Tantra classes because of the pandemic went online. So we have six two-hour tantra classes you can study with us while we're waiting to go back in person love to share those with you and um any way i can help just drop me a note great so action tribe if you are watching this on itunes or some other platform take a screenshot of this because that's how we connect and i love when all of us our listeners are sharing these screenshots but take a screenshot and then tag both me and Catherine, my handlers at my seven chakras seven is a word at my seven chakras Uh, but do that if you like this episode and then i will share it with our community as well if you have any Mm -hmm. feedback comments observations my email is aj at my seven chakras so send me an email and for more details go to our website my seven chakras.com so Catherine, thank you so much for joining us on today's show talking to us about the amazing qualities and practice of tantra and uh, taking us one step closer to a human revolution. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at my7chakras.com That is my S-E-V-E-N chakras.com mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.